Hi, you're listening to Petty Swap and Baby G. My name is Kelly. Let's go ahead and get started. Hi, everybody. Unfortunately, today I don't have my daughter with me, so it's just me. Um, she had a change in work schedule, so she wasn't able to come over and hang out with us this week. Um, and of course, I'm a couple days later than I wanted to be, but I had a few things going on. My granddaughter had a couple doctor's appointments, and so I had to take care of that. But when I was thinking about my next podcast, I kept thinking that although I've talked about my adoption a lot and I wrote a book about it, I still felt that I wanted to talk about it a little bit more because I actually have a perspective from both sides. I was adopted, but I also gave a child up for adoption. So I have been affected on both ends of the spectrum. And although my biological mother is um, not in my life at this point and probably never will be, um, she was not the biggest uh, influence, I guess, in my decisions growing up. And she wasn't the cause of majority of my heartache. It was actually my adopted family. Um, of course, it hurt that, you know, when I realized that my biological mother did not care enough to get herself together, to get myself and my siblings back with her. Um, I've learned to really let that go. Honestly, I don't like the fact that all of my siblings are spread out across the country and we barely speak. And I, you know, it's not all because we're adopt we were adopted. I think it's because we all grew up differently even myself and the two siblings I grew up with we only were together for a short period of our life and we're all very different we're alike but we're very different and we all we look at things from different perspectives which I mean everybody does but I think a lot of our um, I don't want to say anger or resentment because I don't know if any of us are really that angry anymore. Well, maybe one or two, but I think that our own individual feelings and thoughts about what happened to us have interfered with our ability to form good relationships with each other. And I know for myself I'm way beyond holding grudges and um, blaming and whatever. So I just choose to sit in my perspective corner, mind my own business. And if you choose to be in my life, fine. I'll, I'd welcome that. If you don't, then I'm okay with that too. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but I just am not going to chase these fantasy dreams anymore. Um, so I did write a book, like I said, about my life 
growing up. And a huge chunk of it in the beginning was about my adopted parents. And their names are Dwayne and Judy. I did change their names in the book. Um, Of course, I just told you their names now. And, you know, this was in the late 70s. And I know that... um, foster homes and adopted homes probably weren't investigated as well as they should have been at the time. Plus we were from a poor family, uh, native American, part white, part native American. I don't want to say I'm all native American to make, you know, but we were just basically, given to the first family that was willing to take three little girls because the state didn't want any of us separated because I I don't know, they must've thought it would be easier since we were only one year apart. Maybe they felt sympathetic for some reason. I don't know. We were in foster care actually for a couple years Uh, with a really good family until we were given to Dwayne and Judy. And I knew right from the start, I didn't like them. I don't know about my sisters, but they probably didn't either. At that age though, I probably wouldn't have liked anybody because they were foreign to me. They were different. They They weren't my family. They were weird and I don't know. So anyway, we lived in Wisconsin for a while when we first moved with them. And it was okay, I suppose. But then, you know, we started to notice little things of how strict they were. And it wasn't, I guess, that big of a deal. But, you know, we weren't allowed to have anything with sugar or salt or things like that. So mostly the, what their habits were strict when it came to food. But then we noticed after a while that the we had two adopted brothers too. One was an infant though, and the other one was a couple years old. Well, same age as me. But we noticed that us three girls were always assigned all the chores and the duties around the house, even in the yard, in the garden, whatever it took, it was up to us. And I really began to resent them because, you know, I thought, well, this isn't fair. We're sitting here doing all their work, getting in trouble every time we didn't do something the way they wanted us to do it. While our two adopted brothers, well, one couldn't do anything. While the other one just sat, sat around, you know, got to do, read a book or whatever. We didn't have video games back then, so. And eventually we moved to Michigan. They said that our adopted dad was getting transferred. He worked for the Forest Service. So he was getting transferred. And we did spend some time. We took a couple trips to Michigan to look for a house. And eventually we did settle on one in a little town called Gladstone, Michigan. 
And it was a pretty small town. I don't think it was much different than where we had come from, though, in Wisconsin. Uh, it was known for its paper mill. And um, it's just a real nice little place, you know, off the lake in Lake Michigan. So everything seemed like it was going to be okay. Good start. Beautiful home, you know. We liked it. We lived on a dead-end road. But things didn't change once we moved there. They became even more strict. We weren't allowed to really go anywhere. We had a few friends on the street that we lived on, on the dirt road that we lived on. But we were only allowed to go out for a little while. We could never spend the night at anybody's house. Nobody ever came over. And we spent most of our time doing chores, washing the dishes, doing the laundry, um, cleaning the house, doing the yard work. And yes, my sister actually was the one that used to cut the grass, not my brother, who was only a year younger than her. Um, we did it all. We would sit for hours in the garden pulling weeds picking the, you know, whatever grew on it, whatever produce, the beans, the peas, whatever, digging up potatoes. And yes, we did have time to play. There was, you know, I don't want it to seem like we lived uh, on a work farm, but that's kind of what it felt like. We were able to play. We, we, you know, us kids, we play tag, hide and seek, play with our Tonka trucks, uh, playing the leaves after we'd rake them up. We had a swing that hung out in the tree in our front yard. But there was always something about Judy that I just, I could not get past and I could not stand anything about her. She was so cruel. And I really can't even remember when it started. But, you know, I remember all, all the stupid little things she would have us do, you know, and, and when we were left home alone to clean, she would do sneaky little things because obviously she knew she was doing something wrong because she would take the phone cord off of the phone. And back then, yes, we had the phone that hung on the wall with the little coily cords we didn't have cell phones then. We didn't have anything like that. I mean, shit, our first computer was an Apple computer. And I used to play that, uh, what's that darn game? I used to leap over puddles and swing on vines. I can't remember what it was. But I loved that game. Anyway, we did have an Atari at one point. I think they probably brought bought it for our brother. But... You know, I think she really knew what she was doing when she would take the phone cord and she would hide it in her room. And she would unplug the stereo. Well, we didn't, I guess it was a stereo back then. It was actually a big record player with the, you know, those wooden record players that you lift the top up and then still has the radio and underneath you have the cabinet with the records. Yeah, we had one of those. And I loved sitting there. Putting on those records. That was where I first heard Michael Jackson. We had a 45. 
And I used to listen to Del Shannon and uh, a couple others, Beach Boys and whatnot. But she would do sneaky little things like put the cord, lay the cord in a certain way, in a certain direction, so she could see if we had moved it. She would always check when she got home. Of course, I, you know, myself and my sisters, we always picked up on what she was doing. So we would stay one step ahead of her and we would always put it back where it was. We're not stupid. You know, um, but as far as uh, her food habits and things like that, not allowing us to have sugar and salt. Okay, I get it. You know, we're kids. They want us to be healthy. They were health food fanatics. But this woman was probably between four and 500 pounds. And she was only like four foot something. And she, she for real would hide potato chips, cookies, all kinds of shit under her bed. And just as, even as far, like I said, she would unplug the TV, she would unplug the stereo, she'd take the phone cords. So my sisters and I, we learned early on how to stack stuff up in the wheelbarrow and we would break in through her window because they always lock their door. We'd break into the window and we'd go through all her drawers and snacks. We'd sit on the bed and watch soap operas. I mean, that was probably the best time we ever had sneaking in. It was funny, you know, and she never mentioned that she knew we were going in there, but she probably did know. I'm sure as kids, we weren't that slick. And then, I don't know, it just seemed like all of her attention started to just focus on me. And I, I know that my sisters got in trouble sometimes, but I was the one that always tried to act out or stand up for myself or whatever. And that's when things really got bad. And she used to drag me through the house by my legs or my arms, try to get me to go into the car, go see our counselor or whatever. Um, I'd get locked in the bathroom. I have to sleep there all night on the floor. I'd go without dinner. She would sit her fat ass on me for hours until I just couldn't cry anymore or couldn't breathe. And eventually, I went back into the foster care system. And I I won't go into much more of that story because you can actually read it if you read my book, Behind Closed Doors by Kelly Casper. But... It was funny when I was thinking about doing the podcast on adoption because I do think about my biological mother periodically and I tried to reconcile with her not too long ago because inside, deep inside, I felt I would never want her to pass away and not have one more chance to explain to me why she made the choices that she made. And I know it was a foolish thought, but I figured after all this time had passed that maybe she was at a point where she could discuss it like an adult.
I was wrong. She's still very much in denial and very immature about the whole situation. And that's fine. I'm okay if, if that's who she wants to be and that's how she wants to live her life. That's fine. But she'll have to live it without me. And like I said, my adoption actually probably damaged me more than she did. And she's even said that to me a few times. It pisses me off that she says it, but she actually is right. But I never would have been put in that position if it hadn't been for her. And years later, when I was an adult, after I joined the army and whatnot, I had to deal with my own guilt in reality of giving away one of my own children. My circumstances were very different than hers, and I felt that it was probably the best at the time because I was in a very self-destructive and abusive situation. So I didn't want to raise a child in that. Although I had left the situation, then I was pretty much homeless and jobless. And I already had one child. And I think that the other reason things bother me with my biological mom so much is because I know how I feel being a mother who gave a child up for adoption. I know how devastating it is. I, I know how much it hurts. I still cry. I still think about him. And the, and the crazy thing is, is she believed that it should have been on her children to search for her because, and, and she felt validated because she says, well, my address never changed. My phone number was the same. I always stayed in the same basic area, but I don't really think it should have been all on us. As a mother, she should have done everything she could to come search for us. I get it, though. She didn't, you know, she's not a technological person. She just got a fancy phone for the first time in her life, and she's old as dirt. So, you know, computers aren't her thing, uh, but she's had a telephone, and, you know, she she has access to people that have access to computers. So for me, it, it has eaten away at me ever since the moment I allowed Michael to, that's my son, Michael to leave my arms and go with another family. It destroyed me inside. It killed a piece of me, you know, but I when he was about 14, I actually packed up my kids and drove to where, because I had found an address, and I drove over 2,000 miles, knocked on their door, and I met my son as a teenager. And I probably totally screwed his whole life up at that moment. 
and I'm sure that he's only heard bad things about me, but um, I needed him to know that I did think about him and I did want him in my life and I do care for him and love him and miss him and my heart breaks for him. So to me, it just, it um, makes no sense to me. I can't even understand how my biological mother could have had all the children that she had and ended up only raising one, the last one. And I, I have to say raising loosely because she didn't, she, how would I say it? She, um, Oh gosh, I don't even know how to put it in words. She didn't even really raise her. She was just there as a, um, like a pet or a piece of furniture, something that meant nothing to her. Maybe she probably had my youngest sister around just because it benefited her somehow. Maybe, you know, state assistance or something. I have no clue. But. For her to have as many children as she has and to not be accountable for her choices and her decisions, I think that's what gets me the most. And it's not a, not even hurt. Most of the time, I just spent my life angry. And then I was angry at the system because the system placed... Me with a family who was unfit and completely ridiculous. And they didn't deserve to have us three girls with them. And, you know, dealing with my own guilt now and my hurt and anger from giving my own child away. I think adoption is something that will always be a sore subject for me. And I've written a lot about it. I've written poems. I've written in my blogs. You know, you when you give your child away, that's one of the things I wrote about. You don't know where they go, where they'll end up. I mean, maybe if you have an open adoption, but you don't always know. You just know what people want you to know. And although I know my son was cared for, I don't know about his hurts and his pains, his accidents, anything that ever happened. I know his family was a good family or is a good family, I should say. So I know that he wasn't abused. But in our situation, we were sent to live with a family who was just off the wall. They were, you know, and they, they had that image in society that they were good people, but they weren't. They went to church. They dressed, you know, decent, just like everybody else, middle class. We had, you know, middle class cars, nice house. They had good jobs, but behind those doors, you know, 
Satan lived. And Satan was Judy, by the way. I don't know. She was like a little fat Nazi. I don't know what her problem was, you know, and she always made the excuse that she came from a family of abuse and alcoholics and I always like to say, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. And I never understood that until I got older. Because I am also an adult child of an alcoholic. But anyway, um, I probably got totally sidetracked and off subject more than I wanted to. But um, if you really do ever want to read a little bit more about my growing up, I did write uh, the story of my life, well, parts of it. I could have probably written 20,000 more books or at least chapters of different things of my life. Um, but the most important thing I just want you to take away from this is when you give up your child... For whatever reason, um, it leaves a lasting impression. And not all the impressions are good. You know, you'll hear a lot of successful stories of adoption and how people were so happy. But in my experience, that's, that's the minority. And regardless of how good their life was... An adoptee will always, always feel a loss. I can promise you that. No matter how well adjusted they are, how good of a life they had, the things they learned, deep down there is always going to be a loss and an emptiness that cannot ever be filled. So I know that and I know that on both ends now. So I know... I feel like I can almost relate to my son and how I think he might feel. And he doesn't want anything to do with me at this point, but maybe one day he will. Maybe one day he'll listen to this and he'll understand that, you know, I, I well, I, I'm not even going to make excuses, but I did what I did because I thought it was the right thing at the time. So anyway... Thank you for listening again to my rambling. And I know I talk about adoption a lot, but it was the one single thing in my life that defined me the most and made me kind of who I am. So um, until next week, I will let you go. And I hope that baby G is with me next week. So thanks for listening and you have a good night.